Welcome into another episode of the Ebony Bird Podcast, episode 36. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. We are the official fan-sided Baltimore Ravens affiliate, of course, EbonyBird.com, Ebony underscore Bird on Twitter. And of course, the Ebony Bird app from the App Store to get all of your content. We don't just do the, the desktop, the mobile. We have an actual app as well. I mention every time we do the podcast. We've been doing this every other week now that the Ravens have a couple weeks before training camp officially begins July 19th with their first preseason game against the Chicago Bears, officially 36 days away, the Hall of Fame game quickly approaching. So even though we've been doing the, the two, every two-week thing, of course, once training camp begins, we'll be coming at you every week, and the offseason is going to finally be coming to a close, and training camp will be approaching us. But before we get into all that, there's some minor storylines with, you know, the, the offseason still in its slowest phase right now, some smaller storylines to dissect. We're going to get into the NFL Top 100 dissecting that, whether or not they got it right, C.J. Mosley being the only Raven to make the list at 98. We're going to go into reopening training camps to the public and how quickly those passes sold out at Owings Mills. And then after that, we're going to highlight the rookie class and who has the best chance to make it to 53-man roster. And we will end the episode with some top roster bubble players ahead of training camp, just talking about some guys that could be on the roster bubble as training camp opens up. So you can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95, our two site experts, Chris Schiffler at Buffalman58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller NFL, joining us now. Guys, I want to kick off the show by talking about the NFL Top 100. I hear about it every year. I, I listen to a lot of sports shows that, that debate about it. Some shows like the way it's done. Other shows don't agree with it and how the, the players vote on the list, whereas the fans vote on things like the Pro Bowl. I find it, you know, not, not very consistent. I came at a bunch of Eagles fans <laughs> I know from school on Twitter about Carson Wentz being ranked number three ahead of guys like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. And the thing that I kept hearing from them was, well, it's based on last season. It's just one season's worth of stats. And I did some digging because B.J. Mosley was the only Raven to make it at number 98. Guys like Terrell Suggs, Eric Weddle, and Marshall Yanda do not. Um, I understand, like, if they were saying the year-to-year type thing, that Yanda didn't even play in two complete regular season games last year, so he should not make the top 100. But then you have, you know, I did some digging. I saw that J.J. Watt made number 84, and I get all the stuff that he did for Houston, but... If what all of my friends were saying is consistent with what J.J. Watt making number 84 is, that's just not the case. If you're looking at a single season's worth of stats, do I agree Watt should be in the top 100? Probably. Maybe not in this stage of his career. Maybe in the future when he comes back from all these injuries, he's going to struggle a little bit. But if we're going by one season's worth of stats, he played in five games registering just in the last two seasons combined 1.5 sacks. Didn't even have one last season in those five games. He's only played in eight games the past two seasons and you have a guy like Terrell Suggs, who's entering his 16th NFL season, has over 125 career sacks, a seven-time Pro Bowler, and he had 11 sacks last season. I don't care how good of a what J.J. Watt's done prior to 2017. Suggs had the better season, and the point that I was trying to make is I was being roasted by Philadelphia fans for, you know, saying that Carson Wentz wasn't as good as Drew Brees and, and Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he was last year, but by the same token – even though this was later in the top 100, pick 84. If we're looking at the two, J.J. Watt was not better than Terrell Suggs in 2017. I don't know. The, the top 10 in order goes Brady, Antonio Brown, Carson Wentz, Julio Jones, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, Breeze, and then Von Miller and Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, just comparatively speaking, Yannick Nagakwe for the Jaguars ranked at 88 with 24 tackles and 12 sacks last season. He's only played two years in the NFL. 
Any other thoughts on the NFL Top 100, and is it actually an accurate uh, representation of the top 100 players? Because I think there's reason to believe that it's not right now. I don't even watch it. I think it's done for entertainment, and I think it's done for the general audience, the casual fan, if you will, uh, to get people interested in football in June and July. My problem with the list here is Terrell Suggs needs to be on this list. I agree with you 100%. You have 11 sacks. Just about every year, Suggs deals with an injury and plays. I'll never forget him playing through a labrum injury and Ben Roethlisberger come back from injury. The commentators 26, 25, 26 times say Ben Roethlisberger is so tough for playing through an injury, coming back from an injury. Suggs was literally injured on the field as he sacked him, but no mention of that. Um, so that's just typical. Ronnie Stanley's a guy I think deserves to be on this list. You look at the left tackles in this league, I defy you to find five tackles. I think there's four or five tackles on the list better than Stanley. I think Stanley's quietly one of the best in the league. I'm okay with Tyron Smith being there, I, but I think he's kind of an equal to Taylor Lewan, and maybe I'm crazy. And I just don't understand – how Stanley's not on this list. Justin Tucker, I you know I know he's a kicker, but who does their job in the NFL better than Justin Tucker? Probably the most valuable Raven we have. And I mean, yes, I'd like to change next year. I'd like touchdowns to be the norm, but I just I don't like the list. Not because it disrespects the Ravens, but I feel like every team has three or five guys that they can say this about. Except the Texans, who get J.J. Watt in with five games. You need to have a consistent criteria to put you on the list. And I don't know. I think players may vote for their buddies. It might be a popularity contest. I'm not even sure the players have all the say. I think it's made for TV more than anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a reason they debut like the final part of this during the time between mini camp and training camp. I mean, it's such a dry part of the NFL offseason, and it is just a popularity contest. I mean, I agree Tom Brady's number one. I think that goes without saying, but I mean, with Carson Wentz at three and even Aaron Rodgers at ten, Rodgers played seven games. I mean, I understand that he's an incredible player, and I don't think anyone's denying that, but if we're going by last season, I mean, he missed more than half the season. I don't know how you constitute him being the tenth best overall player, and I mean, you guys pretty much said everything for the Ravens. I agree with Tucker, too. I think he should be on there, even though kickers isn't the highest regarded position. But, yeah, I mean, it's, just a, it's a popularity contest. It gets people talking, and that's really the whole point of it. I mean, I don't think anyone really takes it too seriously. Um, and if you do, you're just kidding yourself because it's just one of those things where there's literally nothing going on for the NFL right now, and we need something to talk about. And, hey, look, it got us talking about it. C.J. Moses should definitely be on there uh, a little bit higher, and Terrell Suggs should be up there. I mean, 11 sacks at his age for – yeah, like J.J. Watt, who gets on there every time just because he's J.J. Watt. I mean, you could take, you just got to take the list with a grain of salt. And I think we all kind of have that attitude, which is good. One thing about that is you look at all the skill positions. There's not a lot of linemen on this list. There's not a lot of beef on this list. There's a lot of yeah. star power on this list. And that makes me think that you're telling me there's 100 players and only a small percentage of them big. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I'm not, if there's one good thing that came out of it, it blew up my Twitter feed yesterday morning when I had that tweet about Carson Wentz. Well, moving on now, I feel like this is kind of a topic that happened. Um, this 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 happened right around the time that we recorded our last show. The Ravens reopening training camp to the public. Uh, passes were made available 
Um, on June 19th, they sold out in a matter of hours. Uh, passes were free. The, the Ravens ditched the lottery system that had been in use since open practices were moved from McDaniels to Owings Mills back in 2010. Nearly 2,000 fans will be on hand for 15 particular practices, and these practices before were rare and not held at the castle in the last two years because, of course, the Ravens were dealing with stadium renovations. So this is going to be really refreshing because I know, like, Joe, I think the last time you were on the show or the last time you recorded, you made a point about how great it was, you know, going back to McDaniel uh, back in the day to to watch the Ravens practice, and now that's going to be possible again for fans. And it's going to be at Owings Mills where – literally everything for the team happens and um mcdaniel had like a a small town homey feeling to it but i think they they did have specific practices open before but having all these practices open and allowing the fans to come in and see the newly renovated castle it's going to be a nice thing for fans this this summer especially with all the storylines surrounding the team to go up to all these open practices at the castle yeah for sure i think it's even better that when they put it out that people were so into it that it almost pretty much shut down their entire system trying to get parking passes, which really just shows how much fans want to go and watch training camp, want to watch practice and see players, which is great because I know we've talked a ton at the end of the last season, this off season about, you know, fan attendance at games and wanting to get back to, you know, how the M&T Bank Stadium's just been rocking the past couple of years. So I think this is definitely a step in the right direction. And like you said, with all the storylines, you know, drafting Lamar Jackson and all those guys, it's definitely going to be fun to watch. I think fans are really intrigued to go and watch some of the new rookies and some of the new free agent signings out there on the field. And obviously, hopefully that can translate to the regular season. I mean, with the preseason starting just 36 days away for the Ravens, I mean, things are really starting to kick up. And hopefully when training camp starts up, we'll see that fan presence and that continues over to the regular season because the Ravens are really going to need that home field advantage this season. Yeah, I love the fact that they're doing this. I mean, I, I do have the small gripes of the time I had to do it was where I went logged on right as it was. I couldn't get a pass because the site was down. And then I went to work and it was like, well, I guess I'm not getting one. That was a little frustrating. I wonder how many fans are frustrated about that. But it's so awesome that they're opening back up to the fans. I think it's so cool that they're trying to get fans more involved. I don't know if they're doing this by choice or if they feel like they have to. It's good that they feel like they have to because it's fantastic. Getting energy back to this Baltimore Ravens thing is what you need. I like that fans are very excited right now. It's really easy to be excited when it's warm in July and turning up in the stadium when you need one win to get to the playoffs. And it's like 10 degrees outside. That's the mark I want to see. That's what I want to see. So, Hopefully this leads to that becoming a possibility, but I don't want that stadium packed when it matters. That's going to be one of the things to keep an eye out on, especially early in the season, Is especially as the season goes on, is how the Ravens' attendance figures, how much they change following a couple disappointing seasons in a row. As we were discussing on the Ebony Bird podcast, again, episode 36, you can find us at ebonybird.com and ebony underscore bird on Twitter. The podcast coming to you through iTunes and Spreaker. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95, joined by our two site experts, Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller NFL on Twitter. Moving on now, we've talked a lot about the rookies. I had an article a couple weeks ago breaking down uh, playing time, just assuming all the all the drafted rookies, but this conversation is going to include both the draftees and the non-draftees. Just simply... Who has the best chance of making the 53-man roster? And I think one way we could spin this maybe, including the guys that were drafted, 
are there any guys in that class that you think might not make the roster? And then by that same token, do you have any guys that were undrafted that you think have a shot to make it this year? Might not make the roster. Problem is, I think the Ravens fit every need they needed in the draft. And I think the two receivers they drafted are going to make this roster. The only guys that I have not making it that were drafted were um, Greg Sinnott and then, depending on what happens with Kafusi, uh, Zach Seiler. Yeah, I'd say Greg Sinnott is the first one that won't make it. I actually think Seiler's going to make it because our defensive line isn't that impressive right now. Yeah, I had Sinnott as well. I think he's a guy you maybe just stash on the practice squad because 12 rookies is a lot to keep on the 53-man roster. And I think the Ravens always do a good job of getting all their guys on there. But, I mean, with, they've never had a draft class this big in a very long time. So, I mean, obviously the first couple draft picks, Lamar Jackson, Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown, are pretty much all locks in either a very – Anthony Avery's a lock, too. Yeah, so – and, I mean, I could see maybe Bradley Bozeman, depending on how the center battle goes out. It just depends. We really haven't seen a lot from them because – there's really no contact in mandatory minicamp or OTA, so you don't really get a good feel on how the linemen are shaping out. So I think we'll get a better idea once training camp starts up. But, yeah, I can see Kenny Young being in there, Deshaun Elliott, Averitt, like you said, all having some kind of defensive or special teams role. And I think it's going to be interesting with the wide receivers. I like Jordan Lasley, especially as maybe a possible returner with Camp and Arrow gone. I think Jaleel Scott will get in there with his just size, just being such a red zone threat. But, yeah, I mean, they, like you said, Chris, there's a lot of needs that they addressed in the draft with these young players. And there's going to be some interesting arguments and some hard ones to make for some of these players not making the roster. I think Deshaun Elliott is an interesting case. I've heard things on Twitter. He was struggling a little bit. And you have Chuck Clark, who had a strong minicamp. You have Anthony Levine eventually coming back from an injury. Two of those guys figured to be locks to help on special teams. And do you think Elliott might be in trouble with just the depth the Ravens have in the secondary particularly, or do you think he's probably going to make it? Hard to tell, but I know that they love having that kind of special teams unit. And But the thing with a guy like Deshaun Elliott is he's going to have to prove that he can play special teams and be a legitimate option at safety. I mean, obviously not a starting option, but maybe a reserve guy like Chuck Clark, but I think if he can prove that he's a guy that can, you know, make plays on kickoffs and punt returns and that kind of aspect of the game, that he can make the roster in that regard and then work his way up like we've seen with a couple other guys. Yeah, I I think Elliott's going to make the team because I think they want him to get as much experience on the field on special teams, and he's got to prove that he can do it like Joe said. But I think he's making the team because I think he's their replacement for Eric Weddle down the line it's not going to be this year but I feel like just like you're developing Lamar Jackson just like you're developing these receivers just like you're developing Mark Andrews you got to develop Elliott and you don't do that on a practice squad you do that on the team and I think Elliott's also a guy whose athletic ability will intrigue another team if you put him on the practice squad any other thoughts on Mark Thompson? Of course, he's undrafted running back out of Florida. I've heard a couple tidbits and nuggets from camp just saying that he was flashing Alex Collins figures to be the starter, but the running back position the Ravens didn't address in, in the draft. Any inklings about Mark Thompson or what he's done so far? Well, what I would say about that is it's intriguing because Alex Collins came on a practice squad. He didn't see it coming, but I feel like he would have to flash unbelievably in the preseason games and in training camp 
to have a chance because you have Kenneth Dixon coming back to the Ravens are really excited about, maybe a little too excited about. And you have Buck Allen. He's a solid number two running back. And obviously Alex Collins is the star. If you add a fourth running back, oh, man, roster match gets tough. So we just had that conversation of all these guys we want to keep. And I, I'm thinking we're not going to keep a fourth running back. So he's going to have to really flash. He's going to have to just be unbelievably good. We have to think we got Alex Collins again. That's what what has to happen. It's going to be really tough, I, especially with the return of Kenneth Dixon. If he wasn't coming back, then I'd say there would definitely be a good chance of one of those guys like Thompson making the 53-man roster. But I don't know. Buck Allen had a really strong year, and I think he made his case to stay on. Obviously, Alex Collins is a starter, and you know Dixon had – showed flashes his rookie season and I know he's been limited by injuries and suspensions but there's a reason the Ravens have kept him around because he's shown that potential to be a productive running back and I think you take that over maybe one of the younger guys and maybe a guy like Thompson Edwards or Delance Turner you stick on the practice squad as well for injuries possibly because we know that that's happened throughout the season that's kind of the reason that Alex Collins got brought there with Terrence West struggling and then getting hurt and everything so you never know a lot of things can change from now until the start of the season, but I think I'd keep with the top three of Collins, Allen, and Dixon to make the 53-man roster if I had my money on it. And speaking of roster uh, maneuvering and players on the bubble that could be in trouble, let's wrap up the show of talking about just some guys on the bubble and whether or not they figure to make the 53-man. I'll just start with two easy ones that I think are pretty obvious. Prashad Perryman, he's you know obviously the Ravens can save a couple million dollars by cutting him uh, three days into training camp, I believe. I could honestly see a quietly a couple weeks before training camp, maybe the Ravens just decide to just get it over with before training camp gets underway just so they don't have to deal with that distraction right away. And then one that I have just from, I just don't know if there's going to be room for him simply is RG3. And he was out of the league last year. I don't think a lot of teams are really interested in him. So you never know. If they place him on ra- waivers, someone could pick him up. But they, if they release him, they could maybe wait around for him and re-sign him later if Lamar Jackson does get on the field eventually. I think having RG3 there right now can only benefit Jackson's development so that RG3 can tell him what not to do um, and from his career. But I don't think keeping RG3 around on the 53-man is going to benefit Jackson that much more. Like I think if if the Ravens wanted to bring him back and keep him on the practice squad, they could. But RG3, his best purpose right now might just be as a mentor to Jackson. You know, anything to add on RG3 and Perryman and then other bubble players that you guys have written down? Yeah, I've been with the mindset, the same with you with RG3, that the Ravens could kind of rent him in a sense for the fact that you get a bunch of experience with Lamar Jackson, you know, as a mentor throughout the entire offseason. You technically don't have to cut him until the week before the season starts. And by that time, I mean, they've developed a great relationship and, now he's learned a lot of things from a veteran like RG3, whose career got cut short in a sense because of injuries and from his mobility. But any other guys I would think of would maybe be Tim White. I know he's one of those guys right on the receiver roster bubble with bringing in a bunch of new guys and obviously the two rookies. So he's going to be interesting because he had flashed a little bit in the preseason last year. But, I mean, that really doesn't mean much. I mean, he has to show that he can be a legitimate possibly return option and then a receiving option, which, I don't know, I feel like everyone's still kind of living on the hype of him from last preseason. So we'll see how that works out. And then Tremaine Illuminor is also another guy I feel like got a lot of playing time last year, but for the sole fact that there were just a ton of injuries, and I'm just not sure he was ready at the time. So if he can continue to develop and maybe be an interesting part of the roster depth, depending on 
how far he's gotten um, talent-wise, but bringing in Bozeman and bringing in um, Orlando Brown says a lot about the Ravens wanting to continue to improve that offensive line with a lot of young guys. So another guy I would add in, I know um, Chris has highlighted a couple guys, but Jalen Hill, he's still dealing with an ACL injury, another one of those guys that flashed in the preseason, made the roster as an undrafted rookie, but he could simply be gone because of, you know, bringing in Anthony Averett and Tavon Young coming back and taking that nickel spot. So by way of luck, Jalen Hill could be off the roster. Well, you guys going last is is always <laughs> hard because you guys are good. Um, I'm going to say Bronson Kafusi is definitely a guy that could find himself on, on the way out, at least on the bubble. Quincy out of Boise, I, I think Jaleel Scott ends up taking his spot. And because you look at big body wide receivers, Quincy, you never know what you're going to get. Jaleel Scott, there's young promise. They're both young players, but I mean, he's a rookie. That's where I go with that. And then I'll give you one more just because I'm feeling good. I'm going to say Max Williams is a roster bubble guy. What does he give you? What does he bring you? He doesn't bring you anything. Honestly, you're better when he doesn't even see the field. The offense is better when he's not on the field. Therefore, he's a roster bubble. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly hard to dispute because of serious knee surgery he had hasn't really you know, been able to have the the speed that he had before not not that he was a playmaker before that but I guess for me Correa would be on the bubble only because if he is better suited as an outside linebacker I don't know if they have a spot for him um and this is of course this is third season so he might be somebody that that figures to be on the bubble but I guess we'll have to see how just how good he is outside you know if he if he performs well enough outside maybe they're forced to hold on to him you know yeah and the problem with the Correa thing is you keep him on the outside, you have a long game of the positions, you already couldn't get Tim Williams on the field enough to really develop him. Now you're putting another guy in that spot. The problem, though, is Ty Bowser and Tim Williams didn't really produce. So if Correa can produce on the outside, he can make the team. I, I think they should cut him because I, I'll never get over the play. In, uh, week four against the Steelers, he walks right to Jesse James and like, would you please block me? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> It's like I've never seen a linebacker get caught in the trash more, and I just don't think he has the instincts for it at the NFL level. Instincts are the number one thing he's missing, and for all this mean streak, he doesn't hit. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. And, I mean, with Correa, the fact that them switching him, and out, him inside and outside so much and him not having a permanent spot at one position, I think, is tough, I mean, for him just to develop, and I don't know if the Ravens have done such a great job with it, but he could definitely be one of those guys that, if he stays on the outside, make, misses the roster, because there's still a lot of potential in Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser, so I think the Ravens would rather bank on those guys than Correa, who really hasn't shown much through three years. For sure. So, training camp is just a few weeks away. I want to thank you for tuning in again to the Ebony Bird Podcast, episode 36. Real quick, one more time, just be sure to Download the Ebony Bird app from the App Store to get all your content right to your mobile device. You'll get push notifications and all that good stuff. You can find us at ebonybird.com and, of course, the podcast coming to you through iTunes and Spreaker. Ebony underscore Bird on Twitter and our three handles, myself, McDonald 95 FootballMan58 for Chris, and Joe Schiller NFL for Joe. So thank you for tuning in again to another episode of the Ebony Bird podcast brought to you by Fansided, and we will talk to you in two weeks again with the offseason in a slow form right now. So thanks again, and we will see you in two weeks.